Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to another What Culture Wrestling podcast. I'm Michael Hamflick from What Culture and I'm joined by Andy Murray from What Culture to review everything that happened on last night's Monday Night Raw. But if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts for daily wrestling podcasts. We review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events, indubitably. And of course, around the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. Now, for those that have noticed that I've been trying to fake Adam Wilborn's enthusiasm for that introduction, he's, of course, currently off sick. Uh, Michael Sidgwick is off because here in the UK it's uh, spring break, woo! And he's had a nice day <laughs> with his family because it's not that kind of spring break. So it is myself and Andy H. Murray here to review Raw today. So it's going to be ever so slightly lower on the silliness and the ceremony, which, oddly, WWE were. It was the 1500th episode of Monday Night Raw last night. But not only would you not know that from their complete lack of ceremony and celebration... But there was very little silliness for us to sink our teeth into. I think me and you shared our displeasure this morning. The <laughs> bland competence of it all. Yeah, I mean, I, ideally from your weekly wrestling show, you want it to be uh, an 8 out of 10 and above or a 2 out of 10 and below. You want a, a fantastic just hour, hours and hours of adrenaline and fun and, and <laughs> silliness, or you want a complete disaster. Uh, this was uh, this was just a pretty good show. And there's, there really isn't that much. You know, the highs weren't, like, incredibly high. You won't be sitting there at the end of the year going, oh, man, remember that segment from this part of that show at the end of uh, February? Yeah. Um, but there was, like, you know, aside from maybe one thing that will... We'll talk about there was nothing truly disastrous either it was a good show and uh yeah very unlike wwe like you say to go to let one of these anniversary style shows pass by like this is their this is their bread and butter this is the stuff they live off you know getting that ratings bump from it's the 1500 episode and look at all the old guys look at the old guys who are here <laughs> never mind the young guys look at the old guys this is this is what they do so i'm very surprised uh by the the lack of marketing for this uh i'm not necessarily opposed to it because often those nostalgia specials are complete rubbish yeah. uh, they often absolutely suck despite you know the appeal of oh my goodness steve austin's here or whatever that's always fun but beyond that there's there's often not much there but yeah man like nick khan is changing this company in more ways than we thought it seems 
It's um, it's interesting because they never used to lean on those anniversary shows or celebratory things when the product was actually hot. So it's worrying to think if they think that's the case now, just because we happen to be on the road WrestleMania. We don't need that sort of stuff at this time. We don't need Aksana at a party drinking punch with the fiend, <laughs> like as if friends on the roster at the same time. Um, but maybe it's because, maybe it's because they feel... Uh, inspired by Cowboy Brock Lesnar, the new WWE champion, who, of course, opened Monday Night Raw in his most babyface guise yet since embracing the big banter Brock era we've got post-pandemic. He's obviously, from their the haircut to the, just the general aesthetic of him coming, look, he's like walked straight from the farm in Saskatchewan. This continues to be an actual um, escalation of the big banter Brock character. He's WWE champion again. He's full babyface as if to provide the perfect contrast to the heel Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which is good. You actually need those two sides rather than this just being another snoozer of a Brock Roman super fight. It's quite nice to see the characters as such polar opposites at this point. And that was further established by Paul Heyman, who interrupted Brock before he could really say anything or get to the point. There was mention made here of a possible um, WWE title defense against Bobby Lashley at Madison Square Garden. They're obviously looking to flog a few tickets to that. Uh, with Brock on top, regardless of who he faces. Lashley feels unlikely based on what we know about his shoulder injury, considering that I think the was it March the 5th? Early March, wasn't it? The, the right. show. Um, so that was feeling unlikely, but I guess they're trying to at least thread together some logic that in WWE terms at the moment, he's currently under concussion protocol. It's it's fine to have kayfabe injuries, I suppose, and use that. They don't have to tell the whole truth there. But Les uh, Heyman has said that he will find Lesnar a better opponent if um, Lashley is not the guy in the night. So I guess they've got a bit of tension there. And Lesnar wrapped all of this up by saying that he'll be on SmackDown um, to kind of get up in Roman's business. Was this to you a sign that this feud is likely to take place on Fox rather than USA? Or do you think that WWE are going to be in a bit of a tug of love between the networks here to try and divide it up and give their, <laughs> give their paymasters both a bit of that WrestleMania main event cheddar? Yeah, it seems like that'll be the case for like at least like the next week until we get this Madison Square Garden show out of the way, because that's only like two weeks away. And uh, we, we all know about the networks wrangling for big stars on both sides. And that's what happens when you have two different networks that you have to yes. satisfy constantly. Um, although usually it does swing in Fox's favor because... Well, Fox doesn't need WWE, which means WWE need to appease them a bit more. USA Network absolutely needs WWE. Uh, so get the fourth hour if he could, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, man. Like if if Nasty Nick woke up tomorrow and chose six hours of violence on Monday nights, it's it's happening, one hundred percent, brothers. It's happening, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did not expect to wake up this morning and see Cardigan Brock in my life. <laughs> uh, at first, I thought he was actually wearing a, a Christmas jumper because of the, the pattern. And I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? This is two months ago, man. Like, I love I love Christmas, but this is taking the piss a bit here, brother. Uh, but yeah, like, in my head canon, I immediately formed a story where Brock... Obviously, he likes hunting, so uh, he's obviously gone out into the wilds of Saskatchewan. Is that how? Yeah. <laughs> found some poor critter, uh, mercilessly slaughtered it, turned it into a cardigan since arriving <laughs> home from Saudi Arabia, and now he's wearing it on Raw. I tell you what, like, there's no middleman in Brock Lesnar's life. Every step from hunting to production to wearing on TV and then taking it off because you're too warm, he does every single bit of it. Uh, ready for cardigan law on the other uh, Raw review. <laughs> we have it the absolute the bloodthirsty nature of how brock arranged a flowery jumper for monday night raw 
a gopher died for that piece of clothing. <laughs> if you want a guy, listen, you, you get me on the podcast, you're not going to get the wit of Michael Sidgwick or the extravagance of Adam Wilborn. You're going to get cardigan appraisals, all right? <laughs> like, I'm a guy who knows knitwear. Uh, oh, well, listen, right, from one visionary of drip to one that just pretends to be it, we'll go to Seth Rollins. Um, because although he was, wasn't in knitwear this week, he was in a very shiny suit along with his best friend, Kevin Owens. Um, they want to be added to the uh, tag team title match so they can win the belts and defend them at WrestleMania. Now, so that's obviously to lead to a match later on in the night where they would see if they would get added to a, tri a triple threat to take place next week on Raw. Now, um, Owens ended all this by saying that he doesn't even really want to go to Dallas, but if he absolutely has to, at least he can go with his best friend. Um, the story here wasn't the story being told. It was the story underneath, wasn't it? There has been, in recent uh, weeks, obviously ramped up speculation about Steve Austin and Kevin Owens wrestling. And thus, I guess, for no other reason than, well, what do you do with Seth? The prospect of maybe Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. Um, it, there's a there's a mix of mid-carders. We're going to get to Edge's promo later on as to whereabouts big names go against one another at WrestleMania. Um, but what do you make of WWE, at, at this point at least, with, what, six weeks to go? Um, still trying to send you in the direction of Owens and Seth as tag team partners for WrestleMania. Do you think this is genuinely a red herring? Is there, with all the Austin, Seth, Cody, with all that drama from last week overstated and overblown, or is this just something for these dweebs to do for another fortnight? I think it's a bit of both. Like, it, 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 it the direction to me does seem to be uh, Kevin Owens and Steve Austin, because... He's standing here in this promo again, just insulting Texas for no other reason than yeah. to insult Texas. So it, with <laughs> what happened last week and now this one as well, looks to me like they're heading in that direction. Make of that what you will. Um, so I think they're quite smart in a way to keep this idea that they're going to WrestleMania as tag team champions going because people are some people are going to buy into that. Some people are going to watch it. A lot of people won't, uh, obviously, as we've just proven. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people will sit there and go, oh, they might be the tag team champions. And then, of course, with the stuff that happened later on in the night, I think it's quite like, genuinely, for WWE's creative team standards, that's quite clever. It's... Kind of a good little sales tactic. Lead people in one direction, swerve them in the other. I guess if you want, you could do Rollins versus, I don't know, Cody Rhodes as a singles match. And then if you do these singles things with these guys in the Austin and Texas and what, Dirty Dallas, whatever he said, <laughs> Dirty Dallas page, I don't know. Um, you still have the split angle to do later in the year. It's a smart thing to do rather than just pulling it off immediately and doing it because it's WrestleMania. No, do it when the story decides, not when the stage decides. Um, I think that's a smart thing to do. They're sitting on another one as well in Orton and Riddle, which is another thing they can pull yeah. the trigger on whenever they want. So it's good. They've got a couple of like good long-term stories in the bank. Fire off the memes wherever you want to go. It's, it's decent stuff. And I think as well, uh, that Rollins and Owens just have such good chemistry on screen that they can sustain this beyond any dodgy writing that might happen later down the road. I think it's decent. And uh, to save you from turning into the fiend uh, by April 2nd or April 3rd, whenever it happens, yeah, it's, it's going to be stone cold, isn't it? It, I think it is, and it's it's genuinely quite nice. Um, you make a point there about these just they're just an announce, you know, whether it's announce a match or they'll just pluck something out of nowhere rather than having these characters actually be on a little journey to get to the point they're heading to. It's nice that they're not all just mindless Sims characters walking into walls. They're actually involved in current stories that might feed them into other things. It's funny you mentioned RK Bro because the tag division um, 
Well, often there isn't a target division to speak of. It's laughable to call it a division. It's laughable to suggest that there is a, a rankings or a hierarchy to any of this. But whilst you've got one main event match being built up to build to one tag team, well, one match with the tag team champions, we've got um, that segues into the tag team champions in action in a non-title match with Alpha Academy taking on the Street Profits. It's not the first time we've seen these characters interact, but the work isn't getting worse. And if anything, it's allowing um, Gable and Otis to continue to build on their pretty excellent chemistry. Uh, it feels these things never last. So like best not to get excited, but it just feels yet again like Chad Gable, I don't want to put all the credit on him, but will drag an entire tag division kicking and screaming or something entertaining based on whatever act he's in. He's done it again here. This was, uh, you know, a 10-minute WWE formula match. It's, I'm not going to pretend it was a lot more than that, but it's pretty great watching Gable and Otis every week add little things, add little spots to their repertoire, add little bits of teamwork. You get to see now Gable every single week be in this, well, he's a, like a bit of a gobshite in truth, but when he absolutely, so he wants to send Otis in to do the grunt work, but when he absolutely has to wrestle, he will do because that's his actual skill, even more so than the, well, very Kurt Angle adjacent promo stuff he can do as well. Um, Otis and Gable got the win here uh, when Gable did the old holding down the foot. It wasn't, it was far from clean. So WWE will see it as protecting the street profits and they'll be completely fine and rehabbed if you want to insert them as contenders in a couple of weeks. But yeah, um, in terms of a, a quality of match and what we'll get later on, obviously, with the build into a, a triple threat next week, spoiler alert, um, it just feels like there is a slither of momentum in this division at present on Raw. I, I always don't want to say it out loud in case it just dissolves next week. Yeah, the dreaded M-word in, yeah. uh, in this company, which, <laughs> you know, war betide he who attributed to anything that's done on TV. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like, I think Chad has turned into this, like, regular banger merchant on TV. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, not, not like five million star classics or whatever but good tv matches that are energetic that are well structured that pop and snap and and come off extremely well amongst mm. the gray mulch of your typical <laughs> tv show like he's been really great lately and i don't think it's being talked about enough really now obviously it's chad gable he's always been really good um but while this gimmick is a little bit goofy it should be said it's giving him the opportunity to have these fun matches which he hasn't always had uh, particularly mm. since he came over to the main roster so it's it's good stuff um they've done a good job with these guys i thought at, at first when otis came in and he was just this awkward brick doing facial expressions that and playing this dangerous powerhouse when he didn't have that aura at all and he still doesn't but they've changed the presentation a little bit um at first i thought it was a really odd fit despite otis's uh like weightlifting background and the legitimate yeah. pedigree and all of that stuff it, it, they didn't seem to work that well together but they've made it work a lot of that i do think is down to gable who's so he's like plasticine you can mold him into whatever you want he'll do a good job and uh yeah like i i actually really like the finish here uh literally i i, I love the wrestling finish where the small guy picks up the big massive guy <laughs> the big massive guy falls on him and he just gets <laughs> It's good stuff. It's the Duncan Ferguson, isn't it? Like, it is. <laughs> if, if, if somebody broke into your house, right? You know, a lot, hypothetically, a lot of people would say, oh, I'd just run away. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would say, I'd grab a weapon and I'd try to ward them off. I'd phone the police. Some people would, if they've got some skills, they might say, oh, I'll, I'll do some MMA on them. Take that. 
Not me, man. I'd sit on their goddamn chest like Otis, <laughs> like Duncan forward. Ferguson. Yeah, I'd sit on them until the police arrived. It's <laughs> flawless. Look, if you're a big boy wrestler, as in like built like a bowling ball, like Otis is, there should be more moves that just involve big guys sitting on people. It's great. Or lying on them or whatever. Just totally. like... Like, uh, Yokozuna, obviously, there's a bit of a difference between him and uh, him and Otis. But it's the most simple offense of all time. His finisher was literally sitting on someone off the top rope. Do more of that. This is fun. I like it. It was a one-man gang or whenever he became a keem, I guess. But having that 747 splash where he's just such a giant <laughs> yeah. falls forward with, like, a perfect 45-degree angle. Because he's so massive. Why would you not? Why would you not? Um, exactly. Yeah, sort of, you... You have to spot clues in WWE more than you do just analyze the show put in front of you sometimes. And I thought it was um, notable that this week, Gable's been obviously, he just gets stuff over. He has this innate ability, whether it be in-ring, whether it be promos. This goes all the way back to American Alpha and the ready-winning Gable towel. But um, he's been doing um, shoosh and I thank you and various other little verbal tics. And they had this match tonight, and I was like, oh, that's odd. Like, they've, they've taken the mic off Gable this week. And then they got a promo later on, the Alpha Academy. So, again, it shows you that they've, like, they lay out this three-hour show, and somebody has piped up to say, well, if we're having an Alpha match, we need Gable to get some microphone time later on. And they found it for him. And you have to dissect WWE in that way to try and work out who's a priority. And I think good for him that, yet again, he's got somebody's attention that they, they at least understand that his height doesn't matter because he's got... He's like a multi-tool player in just about every other aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And he's been doing this like literally since day one. He started appearing on TV when yeah. you know, Jason Jordan was looking for his tag team partner. And you're like, oh, this guy's big, but he's uh, kind of just a generic muscle guy. What's going on here? How's this going to work coming out of his Ty Dillinger program? Along comes Chad Gable with his weirdo Kurt Angle <laughs> uh, kind of charisma, that goofball appeal. Uh, and he's done it in so many different roles now. It's just, you know, you'll drive yourself mental talking about wrestlers that WWE haven't made the best use of over the years. But this guy is just such a great utility player. He he should have been on my TV every single week for the past five years. There's no excuse. You, uh, you've given me the perfect segue there, Murray. You've mentioned uh, wrestlers that WWE haven't made the best use of. And here's four that the internet would set ablaze if they could. Um, <laughs> From what culture's oldest man we go to NXT? It's because it's old man Champa. He's, uh, he's back on Monday Night Raw with his dyed beard. And uh, they're doing a bit of a cross-promotion. Old man Champa's got Dolph Ziggler on NXT 2.0, which myself and Murray will be previewing later on today, uh, wherever you get your podcast. But before the singles match, we get the tag. It's WWE doing match-to-build-a-match booking across multiple brands. Who'd have thought they'd have had such the synergy? Uh, Tommaso Champa was, of course, in need of a partner to face off against the Dirty Dogs, and he happened upon one. It's another NXT alumni. It's somebody who understands that though they might be on Raw, they never forget where they came from. And I don't know what Finn Balor's referring to because he did not come from that soft play on Tuesday nights. Japan? <laughs> I don't recall him ever being the uh, the demon there. But yeah, so we got Finn Balor uh, and Tommaso Ciampa versus Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Um, three former NXT champions from the golden era. And Dolph Ziggler. How many wrestling sentences could end with and Dolph Ziggler at this point? <laughs> um, this is decent. Uh, again, like, I don't know how Will, Will Bourne has this skill that I will never have. Of week on week, we sit down and we do these podcasts. And he recaps WWE matches in a way that I don't remember them being as absorbing as they were to watch. This was very, very functional in a way that very occasionally bordered on good. That hit that all-important one commercial break under 10 minutes runtime. 
and yet you are almost instructed to remember so little of it until the finishing stretch. It's just how WWE books these matches. They want their audiences to be it to be okay for them to just be coming back from their seats from getting a T-shirt or buying popcorn or going to the toilet. And they don't mind if you miss a headlock. They absolutely want nothing to happen during the commercials. So you find your mind wandering. Mine this week went to um, the conversation at the booth between uh, Jimmy Smith and uh, Corey Graves, where he mentioned that he'd, uh, he'd seen Champa have a great match in NXT against Walter. And then Corey Graves had to do the old WWE. Who? He's okay. Uh, you mean Gunther? Yeah, we called him Gunther all along. By the way, watch my new show. It's all about deal building. Um, oh, did you see that? Did you see that clip? Oh, my God. Did I see it? I mean, I did see it, even though it could have taken an eye out. Hey, oh, oh. <laughs> it's all about shagging, Murray. Have... Did you yeah. know that grown-ups have consensual full sex? These people are shagging and they want you to know that. How many times in, in a 50 second clip can you mention that you owe a shower? Like, owe, oh. owe a shower. Like, what, what is this show? I saw this take on Twitter, so it's not mine, but this thing absolutely reeks of something that WWE have put together and gone, hey, USA Network, how about you give us some money for this? <laughs> and Big E in USA has gone, no, this is garbage. And they've had to put it out on YouTube or something. Uh, it, what What is going on? I, I, it, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. I know what it reeks of, and that is spunk. Um, so we go to the... Uh, we, I see that shower. It's a perfectly nice shower block. And I'm thinking, like, I'm pretty tired. Like, I, I could do with that as a nice way to start the day in the morning if they're like, the kids have been giving me grief. Whatever. It's like, yeah, go and have a nice shower. Not Corey Graves and Carmella. No, let's go get some BJs. Like, that's, that's the <laughs> yeah. whole life at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of dirty dogs, let's cut to the end of this match where you've got the uh, the typical uh, sort of uh, sling blade barrage from uh, Finn Balor, which uh, allowed Champa to nail uh, Bobby Roode with a, a knee, smash the face, and um, finished with the. Um, I tried to hit the fairy tale ending, but it, that was counted into a roll up. Champa getting the win here on Raw to sort of set up the Ziggler thing. This is odd because, and it does show more synergy with this version of NXT than Vince ever had with his own son in laws. But Champa has won here because they genuinely want people to tune into NXT to see if he can follow that up by beating Dolph Ziggler one on one in a singles match. All the time now, I watch WWE to see the way that Triple H can just get one in the eye of dead. And that was what I got here. Look at old Vince actually trying, ruffling the hair of Bruce Pritchard saying, come on, we can make this show work in a way that he never would have done for Triple H. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's tried, but he did a crap job of it, I reckon. Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought this kind of sucked. Like, it was a decent enough match, right? It was fine. Uh, it was a little two and three quarter star special. You know, mm. it did its job. Uh, they got to the point that they wanted to. The action was all right. It was whatever. A baller makes sense, I guess, to a degree as a champa. Uh, opponent they had they, they've had good matches they've earned each other's respect mm -hmm. uh, in the mold of the old uh the old uh warhammer themed version of of nxt <laughs> when it was grim dark before the remake um but i don't know man like I, champa just feels like a boring ordinary guy in the to me here like there's nothing about his presentation here that stands out he's just a guy who shows up and goes yeah i'm in your house now okay pal so what yeah. like so what, what are you going to do? Like, there's no electricity to him. The material they've given him is the most bland, repetitive, rote stuff. There's nothing here that would make you want to tune into NXT if you don't already. And maybe the rating will come out later in the week and I'll be proven wrong. Whatever. That's fine. Uh, but I, I don't think I will be. Because this is just so dull. And it's like, like, okay, so Champa got the pinfall here. But he rolled him up. Yeah. You, you got a roll up, right? Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is a former NXT champion more recently than Bobby Roode. Mm -hmm. Roode is a mid-card guy. They're never going to push beyond this level. Why can't he just hit his finisher and pin him? Like, what? why do you have to kind of undermine the whole thing by going, ah, he rolled him up. He stole one. Yeah. It's like, 
you want to pour juice on this feud, pour juice on the feud. Don't go half in. Like I, I think that these these techniques and tropes that they use, they're just they're so worn out at this point that I, I don't see how anyone apart from the most like non-critical WWE fan, and there's nothing wrong with being that, by the way. If you just want to absorb everything and take it in and not look at it through the, the lens that we do, cool, you do you. You're probably getting a lot more out of the show than we are. <laughs> um, but I, I don't see why people would look at this and go, oh, yeah, I, I've got to gotta tune in to see the boring bald man who did a did a roll-up on TV. Got to see him fight Dolph Ziggler, who's been beaten to death for the best part of 15 years. Yeah, that'll, that'll do, do a really good job. Like, no disrespect to the wrestlers. I think they're all great, well, but yeah, the presentation of this just yeah, it, it it's so mid. It yeah. sucks. They do the thing that would theoretically functionally work if they hadn't broke every rule of their universe for the past two decades. Like the idea yeah. of the idea of a wrestler winning on the big show to theoretically build up a match with another wrestler off the big show on a slightly smaller show. If you just talk about it in those terms, you go, yes, of course that's going to work. But they have like systemically destroyed all of that and what that means over 20 years so you can't then just buy it back with the graphic you can't that's what you're saying you can't buy it back with a, a roll-up win because the record books andy murray those vaunted record books will reflect a <laughs> pinfall victory even though we know that yet again like everybody else he stole one i uh, i think your assessment is bang on there and i don't expect nxt's number two suddenly saw as a result of uh, as a result of this tag team build and what's ironic about this is that champ will get the blame so off he'll go back yeah, to Vincent yeah. Well, I did my best. I tried. Um, Skinny guys don't draw, pal. (laughs) Skinny guys as well. It's I get a lot of um, fans of certain vintage, um, mainly mine, might remember the days of Rhino's ECW World Champion getting a call to WWE, and then all of us having to have a bit of reckoning. And oh, oh, I mean, I love him, but he's not as big as he used to be. That happens with Champa every time he does a main roster match. Every it's as if that same twenty by twenty is twenty five by twenty five when he's on Raw compared to. And it sucks because the guy is ripped, like he's in incredible shape i would love to be in the shape that tomasa or even have the mental fortitude to be able to get myself in that ridiculous shape that this man is in it's just the way they present him is so drab and it it really does suck because tomaso champa is a very very good professional wrestler who has suffered a lot for this company as well in terms of his neck and back so i wish they gave him something more but hey look that is my fault as the consumer for expecting more from the ed sheeran of pro wrestling promotion <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't even have to be like that adam cole on rampage competently out wrestled 10 despite an enormous size difference because he's just a better and more experienced pro wrestler this is the stage that wwe have set and the expectations that come with it um speaking of stages wwe set and the expectations that come with it let's talk about the miz and wrestlemania um, oh. Miz was complaining about um, Ray and Dominic, obviously, um, using the fact that there was both. Them. Ray won by himself. Dominic's interference only had Dominic tossed out on Saturday on the pre-show. For anybody that didn't see Elimination Chamber, Dominic briefly interfered, was ejected. But then in the in the heat of all that, Ray managed to beat the Miz. So Miz is arguing, I guess as a heel, sort of unfairly and insincerely, that it was the Mysterio 2-1 advantage that got to him on Saturday. You know, like every heel should be complaining about a 2-1-1 babyface advantage. But he's teeing up the fact that he has got a partner. Um, He's got somebody who's from a family that knows their way around a fight. Uh, Somebody that is quite dashing. But before we get to the big reveal, Murray, uh, Rey Mysterio interrupts. um, Him and uh, Dominic are seemingly unmoved by all this. Uh, It doesn't matter who Miz has got. It doesn't matter who this outsider is, not somebody from the locker room at present. So I think we all know where this is going. Whoa! 
it's only Logan Paul who is revealed as the mystery partner of The Miz. Um, one of several Cody Rhodes teases on this show. We'll get to that in just a minute. But first, your thoughts on The Miz and Logan Paul. There was a, a brief exchange between Dominic and The Miz and Logan Paul himself, mocking, the Miz, uh, mocking Rey Mysterio's height, which is an easy route to go down if you're a tall celebrity about to have a match with Rey Mysterio, I suppose. Um, I think he said he was... Um, did he say Rey Mysterio like reminded him of his pool toy or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Not a bad line from this piece of garbage. He was at least a villain this time rather than being cast as a quasi-babyface as he was last year. Um, yeah. yeah, we've got Logan Paul on the Miz versus the Mysterios. What are your thoughts on that before we get to what was like far more interesting about this promo and, and the Cody Road nods? Yeah, so like obviously... Disclaimer, we all know Logan Paul is a bad egg, right, yeah. in real life. But, like, working terms kind of makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Miz is this, he calls himself the A-lister. He touts his performances on straight-to-DVD movies as, like, Oscar-worthy and stuff. Like, the whole point of the character is that he really craves to be a celebrity. And he loves rubbing shoulders with famous people, people who are more famous than him. Yeah. Uh, Logan Paul obviously is that. I get confused between the Paul brothers all the time, by the way. If I start talking about Jake halfway through this, please just bear with me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm too old for, for that type of content but yeah i mean sure like you get celebrities on the wrestlemania card i don't think he'll be as much fun as bad bunny was uh who could ever be that much fun but like in in kayfabe i guess it does make sense a little bit as well because he's uh, got a boxing record and he had a fight with floyd mayweather and stuff so it, it's not the same as him going hey i'm gonna i'm gonna choose jeremy piven to be my <laughs> partner you know someone with no like fighting background or whatever so say what you will about the pauls and their combat sports career but there is at least something there um ray mysterio is a great guy to have in there with these celebrity types because he's ray mysterio he's one of the greatest of all time uh dominic Dominic is Dominic. Um, I think we're at the stage, and this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but I think we're at the stage with Dominic where we have to get away from the, oh, he's quite good for his experience level and yeah. start giving more honest appraisals of where the guy is at. Um, I don't think he comes off well on television at all. He's two years in. You know, he had some mic time here, but he has the assertiveness of a, a damp what's it. Uh, <laughs> he just kind of falls apart on screen. He doesn't look... Like, he feels like he's a big deal. He doesn't project anything. It no. doesn't have any kind of believability uh, as a confident performer. And yes, he has only been at this for a short period of time, but it really stands out in segments like this, where you have two gigantic personalities like The Miz. And even Logan Paul, I felt, just ate him alive with his presence yeah. here. Uh, Ray is Ray. He's never going to be the best promo guy in the world, but whatever. He stands there and you go, oh my goodness, it's Ray Mysterio. He has a physical charisma that transcends that. Um, it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's a celebrity match. Like I don't want to go too much, too much deeper on it than that, but whatever. I think it makes sense. Uh, the segment was fine. Miz will do a good job. They'll all do a good job. Logan Paul will take the pin. It's okay. Yeah, it's weird. We kind of, the, it all feels predictable or it all feels like a very passable way to do a celebrity match but i will say maybe this time around that could, i mean they've got time to you know heat it up obviously but i would say week one that scans ever so slightly as a criticism i i think that you like the whole point of celebrity involvement at wrestlemania is obviously because it's existing in the show's dna but the, like the reason it was 
so powerful in those early years, especially, or so potent, or when the good celebrity, I say early years, like good celebrity inclusion goes all the way back to just last year with the likes of Bad Bunny. When done right, it's supposed to feel super heated, super hot, and really exciting. And I think off the back of this, and I, I have to play some of this on Dominic's shoulders because you, you bang right in your assessment of him as well. I'll remember what, what's it. But I think it's why they cast him. It's why they cast him so often as a 10-year-old. He's had his like games taken off him is because that's what he projects despite being, what, 25, 26 or something. So there's yeah. they've got time. They've got time. But I don't think this is maybe the um, talking point segment they perhaps wanted other than in our little grubby little corner of the world. Um, yesterday on uh, the Raw preview, myself and Sidgwick, called for WWE, quite honestly, to gleefully copy AEW's homework as related to the debut of CM Punk. Um, they sold 20,000 tickets or whatever it was that United sent off. Uh, what was as good as a promise, but was only ever a tease. Uh, you had the Cookie Monster t-shirt, you had MJF's promo about whoever it was at the time, Jericho, I think, lying there in the ring, hopefully as painful as you are. There were other little things peppered across the shows. And we got, at my count at least, three tonight. We'll not spoil them as they come up in the review, but this was the first. Um, the Miz referencing a fight and family, referencing dashing for everybody to enjoy what they already got a little bit out of Elimination Chamber, which was the possibility that that was who was on the other end of the Miz's phone. I don't think anybody expected, really, could it be the Miz's partner, but a tentative pat on the back for WWE, again, cribbing slightly from AW, but having the finger on the pulse, understanding what people already know, and making the early signs that they're going to play with that a little bit. Like, a hair, yeah. ruffling, a hair ruffling well done from me to them. Yeah, like, and there was a small contingent of people who, when Miz said, "I've got a mystery partner," there were there were some reactions on on the socials who were like, "Oh, what if it's Cody? This could be a way to bring him back in and stuff." So, like, I do appreciate that Miz specifically was the one, uh, the first person on this show. There was another one later on, like you said, mm. uh, dishing out these Cody teases because that's it's just smart stuff. Like, listen to the world around you, uh, get a sense of what's going on, tap into it. That's how it works. It's the yeah. name of the game. Um, and how they bring this guy in i mean for me like how they bring cody rhodes in has got to be huge right like it not in the sense that cody rhodes is automatically a brock lesnar level star but like this is a significant coup for wwe they are literally taking one of if not the most important guy in the formative days at least of the the opponents and they're bringing him in and they're going to do this and that and however that's going to pan out long term we'll find out but in the moment they should absolutely be sitting there dropping little teases uh and building it up you're right in the marketing they should be going we stole him from the competition he's coming home he's leaving the small leagues the minor leagues behind they should be doing all of that stuff um because it will build cody up as a big deal everyone's gonna know who you're talking about anyway you are absolutely right it's the cm punk thing um albeit you know slightly different levels of course but it's comparable it's certainly comparable um building him up and then you know, people will receive him as a big deal. Um, and also, it'll really annoy AEW fans, right? Like, it'll really get people upset on that side, which is fun and is good. We speak about this all the time. A lot of people don't. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Like the little shots back and forth. I think they're bloody great. They get people <laughs> talking. They get people riled up. They get people engaging with both sides. Uh, yes, it, it enables a bunch of the worst people in the world on social media. But guess what? I've got all of them blocked and muted, so I don't care about them. Um, this is fun stuff, man. Like, I, I really do hope they keep building it up in that way. I want Vince to be rolling around like a pig in his own muck uh, <laughs> when it comes to stealing, quote-unquote, an AEW guy away. Uh, and you guys know the tone of my coverage. I very much think that the AEW product is typically superior to the WWE one. That's no surprise. But let's just play it a little bit here. Let's have some fun with it. I, I'm completely on board. I will say that had they, when they bring Cody Rhodes in, it's got to be a huge program. Mm-hmm. The Mrs. Mystery tag team partner would not have been good. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's it. No, no disrespect to the Miz. I have a lot of respect for that guy and and how he's stayed over the years. His staying power, how he came in as a guy who literally couldn't wrestle yeah. and became what he is now, a company mainstay. Uh, but it, the Cody program has got to be at the top level. It has to be world title or world title adjacent. Uh, Miz is not that. I'm afraid. Yeah. So here's hoping they have something bigger lined up. Uh, I guess we'll find out in time, but uh, it, it, it's an exciting story. It's enduring into this second week, and I cannot wait to see what comes next. I had proffered the prospect of it being Miz versus Cody at WrestleMania, with Miz presenting himself as basically Mr. WWE, and Cody having to ascend that first very easy mountain in order to re- sort of re-establish himself. You know, it's like, nah. Like, I went away and I made myself 50 times bigger than you without any of this. So I'm going to crush you at WrestleMania to prove that point. So I'm kind of glad that that one is now at least out of the way and we can think yes. about things. It's it's the pressure of a giant story being in your hands is that it doesn't slip through your fingers. So I would say in terms of until they do debut in week one of this, of like being able to use what is now out there, I would I would qualify, especially with like with a low bar we set for WWE to be considered a success. Uh, but in terms of low bars and successes, let's talk about Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. because they're wrestling <laughs> again. Um, you Rhea missed something Ripley. very important, Michael. Veer is coming. Oh, how dare have I? You, yes, have sorry. you heard about this guy? It was a, Come on. Here I, here I am talking about people that are going to surprise arrive in WWE, and I don't mention that Veer, <laughs> this guy... So, yeah, for anybody that's not um, been on <laughs> Twitter this morning or Reddit or anything like that, there's a guy called Via Mahan, right? <laughs> and uh, he's 
I expect big things from the guy. He's going to debut soon on Monday Night Raw. They didn't give you a date, but I think that's probably because the storyline has only just started, and they probably want to maybe they probably want to drag us out to Mania. Maybe he makes the debut in the. He comes out um, midway through, like Seth did with Brock versus Roman, and makes it a triple threat. <laughs> Like, I, I, that's probably why they're only doing this now for the first time. Yeah, um, we should all That'd probably get thinking caps on and how we can. We're talking about Cody. We should be fantasy booking what's going to happen with Via. Via is indeed coming, much like Corey Graves in that monkey shower. Uh, sorry, yes. Um, <laughs> to Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, you only went a couple of minutes. Uh, this simply does not warrant analysis because they've done this match. Uh, already on Raw as a payoff, this feud is done and dusted. Uh, Nick, Rhea Ripley again dominated Nikki at Elimination Chamber. If this existed for one reason, because it wasn't the match, it was to suggest that Rhea is on the road to WrestleMania. Um, I'm not going to give you the hospital pass of asking you to talk about this match. But is there anything for Rhea Ripley singles-wise? Because I'm, I'm looking around and I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I, I don't really see an obvious direction either. I mean... Like the the segment here was fine, right? She just beat her ass. It's whatever. Yeah. It's fine. It's how you end. It's how you end a feud with someone you want to elevate and and a goober, which is what yes. the Nikki Ash character is. We'll say Corey Graves at one point when when Nikki had her outburst at the announcement. Booth, Corey Graves said, "I don't speak Scottish. I understood about three words of that." <laughs> the people of the greatest nation of Earth have have taken notes of your words, my friend. You better watch <laughs> it the next time you set foot in the mean streets of Ochter Mukti. Um, <laughs> so their CNC on YouTube just lost itself a customer now. <laughs> yeah, the, the Scottish demographic is about to fall all the way <laughs> off for that barb. Corey Graves, you are not fit for the stovies you wish to consume. But yeah, I, I mean, insincerely wear a kilt as well. He looks the guy, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. He's the yeah. kind of guy who would go on holiday and wear a kilt. Like he goes right, he goes around Drew McIntyre's house and wears a kilt and eats haggis. Like he, <laughs> he's that dude, hundred percent. He's punk rock man. Um, yeah, what? Well, where are we going? Rhea Ripley at uh, at uh, 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 what's the pay per view called? I've still got COVID brain a little bit is, here. WrestleMania. Is, is Rhea Ripley like she's not not pushed, but she's not featured? Uh, is it too optimistic to assume she's going to get a singles match at WrestleMania? Well, they certainly seem to be leaning in that direction here, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Like uh, there really isn't an obvious direction here at the moment. Sometimes that can be exciting. Um, but when you look at the list of options, none of them stand out as being particularly mind-blowing. Mm. Um, unless you're going to bring someone in, like a, a legend or, or a forbidden door from Impact, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Like, there just doesn't seem like an obvious spot for her. The title programs are obviously set in stone. I mean, are they going to give her another random partner and go after the tag tag? That kind of stinks. So yeah. I, just I, lost them, didn't she? Like... Yeah, like... Unless they're going to give her a big featured spot in some kind of Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal equivalent, which would probably happen on SmackDown anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I Don't get me wrong, I would like to see her featured. I think Rhea Ripley's great. She's had a rough time of it booking-wise, but, you know, hopefully Nikki is in the rear view now. Um, I just don't see a particularly compelling option. Like, I mean, there are good wrestlers she could face, you do her and Shayna Baszler or something, but they're on different brands. It doesn't make sense. So it's like, are they on different brands? I don't know. I've just had COVID. Leave me alone. Yeah, Shayna's on SmackDown. I think you've talked into existence a reality here, which is Rhea Ripley winning that chocolate trophy that the women get to fight. <laughs> I think like that, they they consider that a prize, even if they don't even realize their fan base doesn't. So I could see Rhea Ripley winning that this year. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the kind of fill-in prize quote-unquote you give someone when you don't really have much else for them isn't it cesaro it's cesaro exactly that's it yeah 
Um, next, we had a, a little bit of a celebratory video. Somebody, I don't know, I've not been watching Rasnet long. Somebody called The Undertaker's going to Hall of Fame, whatever. We move on to Damien Priest versus Shelton Benjamin. Um, <laughs> Damien, <laughs> Damien Priest. Uh, Cedric Alexander came out with Shelton Benjamin. They're still trying to drag the arse out with this Hurt Business thing, even though everybody else knows it's long dead. Scott Steiner in the main event, Mafia tracksuit energy, this. But um, they were at least able to use their um, handicap advantage briefly, where Cedric got in um, quite a nice dig on Damien Priest to give Benjamin the advantage. He got quite a lot of this three minutes actually because it was mostly about priest's fight back at the end um all very suplexy and headlocky and all that kind of stuff um and then damon priest wrapped up uh, shelter benjamin with the reckoning and was given a little bit of promo time it wasn't um very high on the half of me is damien half of me is priest um because otherwise this just could have been a straight up tag match couldn't it but he says he's beaten just about everybody what a weird time to cut this promo after they've basically cut his legs off and taken his undefeated streak off him but none it's wwe man so he's talking about how he's beaten pretty much everybody he wants a bit more competition the illusion of wrestlemania is in the air um but before they can get to wrestlemania they're going to get to next week's monday night raw with damien priest and finn balor for the united states championship um I mean, maybe I've talked a WrestleMania match into existence there. Is it going to be Damien and Priest versus Finn Balor and the Demon? Could, oh, they, do like, God. could they do light tricks at WrestleMania where <laughs> they switch between their gimmicks? Oh, you've got like somebody with a, a wet sponge quickly like washing off Finn's face paint or something. <laughs> Where's the Demon gone? But, like, <laughs> but anyway, sorry. I've, I've trivialized what a lot of people would consider next week a great capital G match, capital M. But Finn Balor and Damien Priest has a potential to be that, but bit of an ask, isn't it? Like, Finn Balor's done now, and then he has, wins a tag match with his partner getting a roll-up, and he's like, I'll take that title. Like, yeah. I don't know, yeah, what I mean, supposed to think? Finn, Finn Balor is so far removed now from the Prince character in NXT. Like, I mean, it's been the same really since he fell off a turnbuckle against Roman Reigns, <laughs> which I was told, I yeah. was told by the, the defenders, was going to lead to a massive angle for the Demon. And, and play out, play he's, out. Yeah, he's back on Raw. He's a lower mid-card guy. He's a... Uh, a spot filler guy. That's how Vince sees him. He's just a smiley baby face who he's what everyone feared he would become when he went back to the main roster. And like, look, look this is going to really surprise you here. You're not going to be ready for this take, but the, the, this Damien Fiend character, it's not for me. <laughs> it's not, not for you. Me. No, yeah, that's going to blow you away. But it's just, it's, it's, it's a budget rack Jekyll and Hyde thing. And I think it, it's extremely corny. It's goofy. It's important. It's not grounded in reality, and it's impossible to invest in. Mm. And look, I, I understand that maybe the main roster writers wanted to give Damien some character or whatever, but the, the guy had plenty of character in NXT. He yeah. doesn't need to become this wacky cartoon horror gimmick or whatever, a split personality thing. Like he was this big, sexy, sleazy, motley crew guy, and like mm -hmm. it was quite intoxicating. And he was this, just this. Cool guy. Damien Priest has got a cool vibe, right? Yes. He he you look at him and you think, oh, I'd like to go for a drink with that guy. Maybe not, because he'd probably put you under the table. Uh he's a big laugh. The bar that you like you don't really want to end the night in. It looks all right from the outside. Yeah. One time you actually go in, you're like, oh, this was a bad choice. He's scuzz. He's a total scuzz yeah. bucket of a guy. Um, but he's cool. And like he was a heel for a lot of his NXT run, but you could totally do that as a babyface because he is cool. I just don't understand why they needed to go this stupid pseudo supernatural fiend direction with it. And I mean, the fiend versus the the demon, <laughs> the demon prince fiend Balor versus Damien fiend slash Damien slash fiend. 
<laughs> sounds like my own personal hell. Um, but it would feel feel. God, I've got the fiend in my brain now. The fiend. It would. <laughs> You've let him in. That's your. That's on you. Yeah, it would tick the quota, I guess, for stupid bollocks. <laughs> but look, theoretically, this is a very good match. Uh, I just wish uh, Damian Priest wasn't saddled with such a terrible gimmick. We've, we've covered it. Like Somebody will make us a match graphic after this. Uh, Fatal 4-Way, United States title. Uh, Damien Priest, Finn Ballard, and Karrion Cross. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. On to the next thing. Right. Um, speaking of scuzzy bars, let's talk about disgusting optics. Because we've got Reggie and Dana Brooke and Aww. the 24-7 title. You're having that. Um, Dana Aww. Brooke is obviously very sad. Reggie calls her out for an apology because of um, taking the 24-7 title in the manner he did last week when it became... Well, when it became apparent he wasn't going to get his hole, even though Dana Brooke had made that clear from the very beginning, Reggie believed he could eventually, I don't know, buy or friend his way into her heart, even though she said no thanks. Um, but he's got a bit emotional about it over the course of the week. He's been giving it a lot of thought. He's feeling quite remorseful. And he wants to make it up to her by laying down and let her, well, letting her pin him and take back the title. Um, she goes for the cover. Uh, there's a referee that's brought down for it. Um but he's a bit funny about doing it. So Dana kisses him and wins the title. Now, she wins the title back. And after the fact, we've got um, uh, Akira Tozawa and Tamina out trying to win the title. We seem to have reset because Reggie is back to defending Dana and stopping people getting the title. There's quite a cute gag off the back of that where Tozawa lands in um, Tamina's arms and he goes for the kiss as well. And she just drops him like a piece of shit, which is, you know, like, <laughs> it's the best you're going to get out of something like this segment. What is, like... What are we supposed to think here, man? Like, it was pretty ugly at the point in which Reggie... Like, the fact that WWE have only just discovered the friend zone when it's long been, like, rendered an <laughs> archaic vision of how men and women uh, should relate to one another. Like, we're, we're past the point where Ross from Friends is still sympathetic, and yet we persist with terms like friend zone and, and Reggie's odd relationship with Dana. And now Dana is kissing him to validate for all the incels that if you keep being nice, you will grind that girl down? Is that what we're supposed to think? Yeah, I was not a fan of Reggie doing his Bismarcky just a friend bit here. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, why is this belt and division still a fit? I, I, can we just... Do you want to move I'm, on? I'm so flabbergasted by this friend zone bollocks. Yeah, let's just move on. This was love, just... Who's this for? Who's this for? Incels, you said it. A title that um, is called 24-7 and you never want to speak about it for more than five seconds. It's like, <laughs> yeah. in really a nutshell, isn't it? Um, we go to some more uh, serious business. It's highlights of Bianca Belair winning um, the Elimination Chamber match on Saturday to set up the long-awaited um, big stadium rematch between um, Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. I'm not quite as kind to some of the let-it-play-out audience who have somehow found it in their hearts to justify that SummerSlam squash and the scuzzy non-finish that followed. I think, like, why... Just because you've cleaned up a mess, why make the mess in the first place is my take on, on that at large. But the main thing is we have arrived at a match that is, you know, objectively and subjectively a really big deal between two super over characters. It's Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. And we get the first duel between them since it's it's official. And they can now actually talk about this as a real as a reality. It's pretty good stuff. Um, Bianca Belair is obviously talking about how she's main evented uh, WrestleMania and that she's no longer intimidated by the stage. But Becky Lynch suggests that, well, I did all that first, you know, like you could only run because I walked, all that kind of stuff, which is a nice actual play on the fact that it was her 
lack of experience that cost of the title back at SummerSlam, and it's going to be what undoes her again um, at WrestleMania. Um, Becky, as a heel, has made the promise that she's going to beat her, but Bianca Belair is actually permitted to have a bit of agency and thinks she's going to beat her herself. All this is um, actually set dressing for a match between Bianca Belair and Dudrap, um, which allows Becky Lynch to go on commentary and continue, continue pushing the narrative um, that Belair simply isn't on her level, that she's already proven it and that she'll do it again at WrestleMania. In the meantime, while uh, Lynch sort of does the carnival box stuff on commentary, uh, Belair and Dudrop have another pretty great match. This was sort of a, an, I wouldn't say it was um, underrated particularly, but it was a low-key highlight of late 2021 on Monday Night Raw. Dudrop is already, for me, um, quite a high-value utility wrestler on this roster. I think she's proven that in virtually everything that she's done since getting called up. And consider the ground that covers and the characters she's going to have to play. And a stupid name that we all just still have to accept on a weekly basis. Really great chemistry between these two. Strong, strong work, much like the Elimination Chamber itself, pretending that there is far more of a coherent women's division on Raw than there actually is. Um, but it is all to lead to uh, Dewdrop going big for the cannonball that ultimately misses and that allows Bianca Belair to uh, show her strength with an awesome corner powerbomb. They do a great uh, cut to Becky Lynch, who has nothing on that. Like, she is being given a front row ticket to what Belair can actually do when it's not a 27-second shock squash. Um, Dewdrop misses the charge. Uh, Belair gets a super impressive KOD. It always is. Gets the win. Um Solid here. I think we're on. We're, we're at last on the right road, and the road feels pretty good so far. There's time to kill it, but hopefully they won't. Yeah, I, I felt that like as a whole package, uh, this was really, 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 really good, uh, but also incredibly frustrating. Um, I'm going to make the mistake here, a fatal mistake of picking apart WWE booking, which is <laughs> never a good idea. But I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, we don't have the button today, so don't need the button. Uh, who needs the button? So. Like the core idea is that Bianca Belair has been fighting and clawing and trying to repent for that embarrassing loss. And in this promo, she's fiery and she's got her confidence instilled in there and she's so sure of herself. And she comes across that way on TV because Bianca Belair is absolutely tremendous. Uh, her confidence feels real and deep, which is unlike Becky, whose whose confidence is very showy, it's very fragile, and it's starting to shatter a little bit. And it's a really great contrast and easily the best thing that this big-time Bex character has done so far. It's probably quite funny that the best thing the character has done so far is the beginning of the end of that character, but, <laughs> but there we are. It's, it's genuine. That's genuinely good. But the narrative that they are trying to spin here, while you know, in a bubble, it's phenomenal. Mm. Um, and this package was the best thing on the show. The problem is that the narrative doesn't reflect the reality of it. Mm. Like, Bianca hasn't spent six months or whatever clawing back and fighting and struggling. She spent it spinning her wheels on the mid-card in nothing feuds. They haven't told that story at all. And you're right, people will connect one dot immediately from SummerSlam to here, and they will draw a line between that and ignore everything that happened between these two points. And it's that's letting the storytelling off the hook. They They haven't told that story at all. They've just had her mess around and 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 fanny on elsewhere with nothing of any real interest to do and you know she was the iron woman in the royal rumble and no one noticed because she wasn't featured in it barely at all bianca and it's like it feeds into the same idea that bianca had this this great year quote unquote last year which i mean she had a couple of great moments the rumble mm -hmm. the, the sasha win maybe there are another couple of bits and pieces you could pick here but the week to week was often rancid Particularly yeah. in the Bailey feud, where the whole point was, look how unconfident she is. Oh, it's like, are you that, kidding like, me? 
Are you kidding me? That's the whole basis of this EST. We were relying on its wrestlers to wrestle their bad story out of trouble. That was exactly yeah. that, that. That's that's exactly it. Because it's like in this specific moment, they've decided that none of that bad stuff matters because WWE don't want you to remember what happened last week or or in September or October or whatever. They don't yeah. want you to remember the week to week. It's goldfish booking. Forget the stuff that came before it, apart from this one thing that happened six <laughs> months ago, uh, and just roll with it. And when you take it at that level and you consume the product that way, yes, this is all great. And look, I think it is a fantastic story if it had been sewn together right. But this was nonetheless a very good segment. I thought it was the the, the way they played it on the contracts contrast of Becky's Conor McGregor veneer kind of starting to come apart mm, was mm-hmm. good. Uh, it highlights the discrepancies, however, between excellent performers and bad writing. And that extends to the match as well. The match ruled. I thought this was tremendous. Yeah. Um, really good fun. Uh, Dewdrop, uh, you're bang on the money. Dewdrop is great. I still wish she was called something else. But <laughs> very very good at playing her role um her style meshes with everyone and very very impressive not only that bianca got her up for the kod in the finish but also the way dewdrop kind of maneuvered herself going Mm. up the top rope really impressive stuff from both of them like i I was came away from this match thinking that was great similar kind of ballpark of quality for me to the to the fun naomi charlotte match we had the other week Good yeah. stuff on WWE TV at the moment, wrestling-wise. Absolutely. Um, and you listen to the crowd as well, and, like, the crowd pops for everything Bianca Belair does. Like, her big power spots, her her eye-catching offense, it, it, it all is received extremely well. People were on their feet for this finish and several other spots throughout the match. Uh, she is one of the most over people in the company because she is awesome and yeah. should be a difference-making star in this company. She is not because the objective metrics that we have support that. We don't have, oh, look at this number she popped there. Oh, look at this ticket sales she sparked. And that sucks because she should be doing that. And it's a fault of the writing and the way she is presented between moments like winning the Rumble, uh, beating Sasha in the first woman, uh, the, 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 what am I trying to say? The WrestleMania 37 main event. Yeah. First night main event. What I was trying to say, and then presumably dethroning Becky as well. But if the week to week was sewn together a little bit better, you would be looking at someone who's popping ratings every week and and is this huge cross brand star who transcends pro wrestling. She's the best, she's over, it's class. We all love her. And I just wish we could see what she could do with the backing of a more skilled creative team. It's gonna sound weird kind of making those complaints coming off the back of what was a very good night for her on Raw. Um, but to me, these good nights just kind of highlight some of the bad stuff that's come before as well. But fingers crossed for the rest of the feud, they're off to a very, very good start. Uh, and I look forward to it. Sorry, I've just hogged the air for about 10 minutes there. You can speak now. <laughs> right. It's not fair because and you mentioned about like, you know, these are the good nights. They've got I mean, the six weeks. So assuming that they keep this on Raw, they've got five more nights like this that they need to have. And it being WWE, you worry that they can even manage that. This absolutely feels exactly as hot as it should be. These wrestlers feel like the right women to be in that right spot of, you know, it's, it might not be a main event this year, but it's going to be one of the top tier matches on one of the nights. And it feels as big as it should because you're supposed to care about the top title. It's, it's the world title, you know, and this feels like a world title program. We now have to, because of everything you've just said, remain nervous over the next five weeks so that they don't dilute what we had last night, which was a really strong start. Um, 
Yeah, no, I do. I echo all of that. Um, and speaking of, I guess, people at this point who at least can use their long-term story or their, like, you know, can put a line from dot to dot to dot to dot, it's Edge, who actually has got a WrestleMania legacy with which to speak of, with some genuine history and some genuine moments. He um, he sent to the ring to sit in a chair and cut a long promo about his life with WrestleMania, basically, because it's more than just his career, it's his life. He started as a fan. The first WrestleMania he remembers was WrestleMania 3, which he listened to the results on the radio. For our younger listeners, that's like a podcast, but where you can't choose what you're listening to. Um, and he listened for um, Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant, um, and he could visualize the impossible in his head through the means of the airwaves. Uh, and then he kind of went through some of his other Mania histories. It wasn't just, obviously, all of the big matches. He mentioned, I think it was WrestleMania 14 in 1998, where he was there for backstage. He was he hadn't yet debuted as Edge on television, but he was he got to be a part of it. Um, he talks about, he gave a shout out to Devon Dudley um, to get well soon after his, uh, was it a back injury, a uh, back surgery that he had? Um, right. Shouting out to their like legendary, the lad <laughs> match at WrestleMania 16 and the TLC at um, WrestleMania 17 the following year. Spearing Mick Foley through fire, um, becoming the first Money in the Bank winner, nearly ending the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania 24. All this sort of stuff has, um, yeah, I, I, I probably missed the bit where he said how he obviously won that Japanese shampoo commercial when he beat Booker T. But all of these things have uh, obviously given Edge and WrestleMania a special relationship. Um, he obviously opened what he thought would be his last WrestleMania when he defeated Alberto Del Rio for the title. Um, he went six hours and 15 minutes against Randy Orton, empty arena, WrestleMania 36. He's a legacy player, Murray. Um, but no, he main evented last year. He's got the taste. He's got the bite. And he's looking for somebody. He's looking for anybody. Um, why, at this point, half the roster weren't just racing out there to take this match? I do not know. Because Edge was effectively offering himself up as a golden ticket for somebody to get a beat. Kevin Owens could have sacked all this full of fuck. I'll take that. I'll take that. But nonetheless, the point was here is that he's looking for a big-time match, a uh, big-time opponent for a big-time match. There were two words in this promo that are probably more important than all those old WrestleMania references. One was phenomenal. One was undeniable. So they were absolutely leading you in one direction, but yet again, they were giving you the tease of possibly another. Um, a good quality promo that felt real. It was the right edge. He was he was intense at points, but it was never in that way last year where he was kind of intense to the point of being off-putting. I thought he's the Miz program with Beth like helped him find his glib side, and there was just enough of that. I thought I thought here that you got quite a nice compromise of the the bits that Edge can do. Um, I get, I think he laid out one layer or another here in AJ or Cody. They're both intriguing options in their own unique way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, and again, it's it's wise to uh, show that there are more than one. There's more than one potential path that you go here. Did did he use the word demon in here as well? Did I imagine? Uh, I might, so I know what you're saying there. <laughs> <laughs> the fiend is back. Uh, yeah, yes, man. I forgot about. That. Why do we even care about Cody and AJ? Yeah, we could do Edge versus the Fiend in a Firefly <laughs> fun, fun. Oh, well, we've already been in Edge's house, and that wasn't a lot of fun, was it? The, the Fiend's going to steal his fruit. <laughs> Imagine you just you just start start the segment and uh, the fiend is sitting there in an easy chair peeling off a slice of mango, like <laughs> <laughs> up the fiend. Uh, yeah, I mean they're 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 absolutely right to to tease multiple people at once. I think it's going to be AJ. Um, I think they've done a really good job of quietly building AJ back up a little bit this year. Um, he's looked good in his matches. Uh, he's performing well as a singles guy again say what you will about the way the Omas feud ended and what happened to what happened to the big man where is he at these days uh he seems to have vanished into the ether um but 
they're doing a good job quietly with AJ over here. And this is a match, both of them have said they want it in interviews and stuff. Uh, AJ said it quite recently, in fact. So yeah, it just makes sense. AJ is obviously still a tremendous wrestler. Uh, Edge has proven in, in his big matches that he can still go in a way that is going to pop WWE crowds and fits the company's blueprint. Uh, these promos, again, this is going to shock you. They are capital N, capital F, capital M, not for me. Yeah. They are capital A, capital B, capital M, a bit much. <laughs> he, uh, he the spotlight's on him. He's, he's looking serious, staring down the lens, getting all worked up. He's grimacing, he's gurning, his face is turning red, the vein is popping out of his head. Dude, no, you're you're not you're not performing Macbeth at Shakespeare's Globe. Like <laughs> not everything has to be the most dramatic thing in the world. I felt like this was a shade away from him going, takes me to that dark place where I didn't want to go. That just the same melodramatic stuff. Like it, it's a little bit much and it is what will ultimately cause me to ignore the rest of this feud in the lead to WrestleMania, because you know, that's where we're going. Um, but yeah, wise to, to lay out these various pathways. Edge is obviously very over. And I think him and AJ would have a chance of being very good. Well, if he did mention going to the dark place, I think that would have been confirmation that it was going to be Gangrel. So <laughs> and the fiend uh, and and the fiend in another triple threat feature in the fiend. Yeah, so, also uh, the fiend. You've got AJ being like, "So what were you doing before?" And Edge can be like, "Well, the brood." Another <laughs> <laughs> ah! the fiend to come up Gangrel's entrance platform. That'd be so cool. <laughs> like just a little ring of fire on the fiend. What if we are all the fiend? Well, but it's not like you actually see him getting in it. So it's like a lift at the bottom, and he presses the button, and it's in hell, and it's like, "Stage, please." Bing. <laughs> this is a lift of fire that you rise at the top. The fiend operating his coning elevator from hell to the <laughs> WWE universe. I love the idea. I love picturing the fiend doing mundane day-to-day -day tasks. Imagine That's the why fiend... he's not back. The lift's yeah. broken at Fiend Enterprises, and they're just fix <laughs> so he can return. <laughs> the fiend's got his admin done. <laughs> he's just busy putting out the washing and stuff, isn't he? Like... He's, doing some, he's doing some fiend to copying. <laughs> he's got to take the recycling out this afternoon. <laughs> nightmare down there Imagine the fiend trying to work out if it was a green or a blue bin week. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up his little schedule online from Gateshead Council. Just... Let me bin. <laughs> Shut up, man. Right, okay, let's, let's do some wrestling. Um, we've got, uh, well, that's pretty much obviously everything bar now our big main event. Um, I can't believe how polished and tight this raw felt we go to rk bro versus seth Rollins and kevin owens set up earlier on obviously so there's going to be a tag team title match between um alpha academy and rk bro but rollins and seth can get in if they win and of course that has i guess wrestlemania implications as well um so we get what i spotted and i mean this is probably just me reading the things that aren't there the third of three cody t's on the show which was randy getting rid of the old mustache yeah. Much as Cody did in order to make himself undeniable. That's gone. But in all seriousness, might there be a little bit of story here that there was um, a tease last week that when Orton lost to Seth Rollins, um, that maybe the Riddle lifestyle was starting to get a bit too much for him. Riddle was out in his toga. Orton was saying, nah, you know, what? I can't really be asked with that. And then it was the Riddle-based distraction at ringside that caused Orton to kind of lose focus a little bit and then get hit with that, that curb stomp at the end. So they do at least seem to be, uh, this is what I mean, I don't think the moustache is nothing. I do feel like it's Randy Orton maybe taking a bit of a look at his life and how have I let it go so far with this clown? We'll see. Anyway, the match, I guess, gave us a little bit more of that because ultimately the heels uh, were victorious. But another great, like not just a worthy Raw main event, but another worthy tag match that I think rewards um, how invested people are 
in pretty much all of these teams at present. Rollins and Owens might have once been one of them forced together WWE acts, but they've exhibited real chemistry as they did here. They look and feel like a proper tag team for the duration of this angle, I guess. Orton and Riddle at this point are so established that you're getting used to seeing all their cool spots, their double teams. Orton's hot tag remains one of the most unbelievable achievements from the RK Bro experiment because the fans just absolutely love seeing him make the save for Riddle. Um, Riddle has now been permitted, as he was here, I guess, to um, before he made that hot tag, obviously, he makes his own save from the, the constant double team. Um, he got out of the, the Rollins frog splash. He got the, the Ruby Soho, oh my God. Um, so Riddle is Riddle has been empowered by his relationship with Orton over the course of their relationship. But nonetheless, he kind of still needs him to come in and clean house and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was when Riddle went for the RKO that Seth was able to counter into the buckle bomb, which allowed for the um, stunner and the stomp. So Riddle goes down to effectively three finishes in a row. And it was all because he attempted an RKO that failed. Again, was that a detail? It's probably... I've probably shown my hand a little bit from my analysis of the match. I was quite impressed with the stuff they peppered across this to get to their end point, which is the triple threat next week um, for the Alpha Academy's tag team titles. And Chad Gable expressed that he wasn't too pleased at his odds, as WWE would say. His odds shortening to 33. That's not how any of this works. His odds <laughs> have got 33% for the, uh, the match next week. Um, couldn't believe that this was the end of Raw because I wasn't exhausted at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was a really well-paced episode, wasn't it? Like, mm. none of the matches went over, like, uh, like 15 minutes or whatever. I think most of them were under 10, in fact, and they all felt, well, the, most of them felt pretty satisfactory. Yeah, this was a good way to wrap the show. It's two teams, obviously, with similar future directions in that you'd fancy both of them to eventually split and feud. That's always been the case with RK Bro, but they've, they've, they've strung out extremely well. Uh, there's loads of little things, like you say, that point towards them maybe coming towards their, the end of their time together. There's, you know, little things as well, like, I mean, it's not even a little thing. Riddle was in the Elimination Chamber. Randy wasn't. Yeah. Easy to cut a jealous promo on that after they do the split. And, yeah, things like this, messing up after going for the RKO. Uh, lots of bits and pieces here and there. Plenty to nibble on for sure. For a while, I figured they were going to keep this going. Keep this alliance going. Felt like it still had legs, and it still does. Uh, you could probably go all the way to SummerSlam if you wanted to, and then you've got a big match there instead of having to do it at Mania. But if they want to do it at Mania now, I think they do have plenty in the tank to do that. I think it would feel big and important and, and significant. Uh, you do Seth and Kevin, their own little split and feud later on. It's all good stuff. It's just an earnestly good way to close the show, and it was a fun match as well. Yeah, I'd, honestly, it's, it's odd almost to end Raw with not just only like praise unanimously for the main event, but also for the show at large without too many huge complaints, especially when I'm covering for Wilborn and I forget how he ends all these podcasts. So like WWE with gaps for about 10 months of their calendar year, let's just end with plugging instead. Andy Murray, where can uh, they find you on Twitter if they wish to? Uh, find me at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for hack it because I've still got a cough. <laughs> I'm at Michael Hamflit. You can follow all of us at What Culture WWE. Leave us your comments, your thoughts, your feelings on Monday Night Raw. We'll be putting this up on uh, Twitter later on if you want to link, uh, link it through Acast. Um, and we'll be back later on, myself and Murray, with an NXT 2.0 preview. So uh, keep your ear to your feeds for that, and we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.